All right. Well, praise the Lord. We are going to continue, as suspected from last time, last week, um, in this. We're going to continue our conversation in this concept of the baptism or being baptized with the Spirit. Uh, by very, very simple way of review from last week, um, if I could boil down all of that into a couple sentences, I would, I would say that the way that we have thought about the baptism of the Spirit um, is in most popular, you know, in most cases that are popular in the church today, uh, are somewhat limited. And um, we need to understand that there's one baptism. We talk about the baptism of water. We talk about being baptized into the body of Christ. And we talked about being baptized of the Spirit. But really, they're all supposed to be one experience in God. When we come to him, he baptizes us. Now, that said, there are multiple sides to that, right? So it's particularly being baptized into the body of Christ and being baptized in the Spirit are kind of two sides of the same coin. Uh, you can't have, or you shouldn't have one without the other. Um, the baptism into the body of Christ, the in, being born of the Spirit, this is an inward work of the baptism of the Spirit. And then the gifts of the Spirit, that's when the Spirit comes on you and manifests himself through you, is the outward work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of the two sides of the same, like I said, the same coin. And, and so for us to figure out, well, when do you get baptized in the Spirit? When do you receive the Spirit? Are they separate things? It's like sort of a fool's errand because whatever you go out, whatever you pull out, you know, start digging into the Scripture, there's so much dynamic differences in the way that the Spirit of God moves. Uh, and He so personalizes the experience for that, for each individual. To try to explain it in our meager abilities with our meager language and our meager, it, it just puts too many, it puts, tries to put the Holy Spirit in a box. But just know this, is when the Holy Spirit, when God sent His Spirit that we receive, it's to be a both an inward work and an external outward work, right? It's supposed to change it from the inside, and it's supposed to for you to be a witness to in the world on the outside, with with gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of power, um, and and so to neglect one or the other, you would be in serious error. John said, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but one will come after me who is greater than me that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm -hmm. Now, what was he speaking of? Just the baptism of the Holy Spirit where people speak in tongues? No, no, he wasn't speaking just of that. He was talking about a complete immersion in the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit dwells within you and the Spirit, Holy Spirit comes upon you. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about being immersed, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Being saturated. That's what baptism means. I want to be saturated with the presence of God. I want us to be saturated with the Spirit of God. And we cannot put more emphasis on one versus the other. It's important that we receive both sides of that coin, right? So in the next two weeks, I believe, I want to talk about the inward work of the Spirit and the outward work of the Spirit. So that's, that's where I think we're going to go with this. Today I want to talk about that inward work. Uh, and in doing that, I want to read a fairly large portion of Scripture. So I, I would encourage you to turn. I've got a lot of Scripture again today, as I did last week. But um, this we're first going to turn to Romans, book of Romans, chapter 7, starting at verse 22. Romans 7:22. I'm going to read to the end of that chapter, and then we're going to pick it up in the next chapter, Romans 8, and we're going to go from 1 until 17. So we're going to go from Romans 7:22 to Romans 8:17. 
Um, and so here, here, um, and and I, I have to always be careful, um, especially in this in Romans and particularly this section of Romans. We're taking we're not getting the full context of everything that Paul was saying in the case that he was building. We have to be very careful whenever we pull. You know, if you have a a, a text without a context, it becomes a pretext, right? So uh, we have to be very careful about that. And I'm so I'm conscious of that. But I, I just want to focus on this particular piece uh, to sort of set up this concept about this inward work of the Spirit, okay? And there's many scriptures that we could be focusing on, but this has enough of the... Uh, of, of the meat of what I wanted to talk about today that we're just going to focus this on this is our main text and then we're going to start breaking some things down okay so Romans 7 22 says this again I read from the Christian Standard Bible um, it says this for in my inner self I delight in God's law but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of in the parts of my body what a wretched man i am who will rescue me from this body of death thanks be to god through jesus christ our lord so then with my mind i myself am serving the law of god but with my flesh the law of sin i'm just going to pause there for a second Paul the Apostle just talked about, prior to the scripture, all of these laws, these different laws that are operating within him, and the conflict that comes. He's basically saying, I desire to do what is good. I desire to do the things of God, but there's these sinful, there's a sinful law that's working against me. So the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Come on, do, do we ever feel that way at times? We probably feel that way more often than we, we would like. You know, you find yourself, oh, why did I just do that? I know that better than to do that, right? And I'm not talking about making, making a mistake on your, your, uh, you know, your checkbook ledger or something like that. I'm talking about sinful things right I'm not talking about just simply making a mistake but it's like i know better than to do that why did i go back and do the thing that i repented of before that i've asked god to forgive me of before why did i go back and do that thing right why is it hard for me to move on and to receive the things of the spirit and go on to this place of righteousness and living the spirit and living in purity and live you know what i'm saying Am I the only one here that deals with that conflict? We all deal with that conflict, don't we? And that's what Paul just start, started talking about prior to the scripture that we read. But he says, in, so he's talking about these laws that are waging war, right? Against the law of his mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin. I mean, it's crazy. If you've never read that whole, uh, all of uh, Romans, read Romans chapter six, seven, and eight together. Powerful, powerful dealing with this and he says and then he, he just you see him like go through all of this and then he just you know kind of blurts out what a wretched man am i am i who will save me from this body of death and he says thanks be to god through jesus christ jesus is our answer jesus is our remedy amen. right yeah. amen mm -hmm. so he answers the question mm -hmm. who will deliver me jesus who will deliver me but 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 also at the same time he he there is this continuous law or this continuous war that's raging that we can't just simply quote unquote turn our back on right it's something that we have to continue to engage in and that's what i want to talk about today that inward work of the holy spirit being filled with the spirit what does this really mean on the on the inside of us okay so he continues on in romans chapter 8 verse 1 and of course starts off with this popular scripture that i love and we should all be thankful for therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus Amen. why because the law of the spirit of life in christ has set you free from the law of sin and death wow powerful this war this conflict 
going on, raging with all these competing laws going on, fighting in our bodies, our spirit, our mind, Holy Spirit, all this stuff, this like spiritual earthly mess that we feel like we're, <laughs> we are half the time, right? Jesus Christ came in and he interrupted it. And he says, there's no, no condemnation in your failure. Right? There's no condemnation. Why? Because Jesus Christ, he interrupted the law of sin and death. He said the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. He goes on in verse 3. For what could the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh? God did. God did. Now, it's a reference to the Old Testament law which was a, a whole lot of do's and don'ts. And the law could not be kept perfectly. Couldn't. No one, none of the Jews, no one that ever attempted to keep the law that God set out in the Old Testament could, be, could keep it. They always had, always at some point had to make sacrifices for their sin. Animal sacrifices, sin, sin offerings, all kinds of things. They had to do it. Why? Because it was weakened by the flesh. The flesh wouldn't allow them to keep it. Because the flesh doesn't keep God's law. Right? So what the flesh couldn't do, what the law couldn't do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. God did it through Jesus Christ, right? He, Jesus, condemned sin, right? Condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not as sinful flesh, in the likeness of it. In the weakness of it, right? In the capacity to sin. He had the capacity sin to sin, but he didn't, right? Because the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way and yet without what? Sin. He was tempted in every way and never sinned. He was perfect. He had the ability to sin. He had the, the weakness as we do to, have, to, to be able to sin, but he didn't. And that's why he was the perfect sacrifice. He was in the likeness of sinful flesh. And because he, was sent, he sent his son to die, he became a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, he's taking all of these complicated laws and things, and he starts boiling this down to two things. Walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And that's what I want to focus on. This idea of walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. And the context of all this is being born of the spirit, baptized in the spirit, which is two sides of the same coin. Let's continue on. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set, have their minds set on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the, uh, to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Oh, wait a minute. Do you see some, a, a pattern starting to happen? You've got spirit on one side, you've got flesh on the other, and you've got mind in the middle. And it sets one way or the other. It goes one way or the other. Keep that in, in mind, okay? Keep that in mind. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Hmm, which one sounds better? <laughs> what's, what's the word of God say? I put, put before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. And he goes, choose life. <laughs> Because we're dumb enough to actually choose death and cursing. We would, right? We're dumb enough to do it. And you say, well, that's very insulting. No, it's true. You're insulted because it's true. <laughs> we will choose death and curse. Why? Because we like our sin. We like to be in charge. We will. But praise God. He gives us life. Right? And he says, choose this. Choose life. There is life available for the brothers and sisters, the sons and the daughters, and the household 
of the faith. Amen. Amen. Life. Life. The mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. We have not a lot of peace in the world today, do we? What's that tell us? It tells us there's a lot of flesh. The, the world is ruled by the flesh. Verse 7, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Hostile, it says. Wars against it. Because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. The flesh is unable to submit to God's law. It's hostile against it. It cannot do it. Why? Because it's fallen. It lives in the fallen nature. And it pulls its way, constantly repelling. It's like, it's like magnet, you know, magnets, you know how you, you play with their polarities and they repel or they attract. This is a negative polarity of the other, right? I can't get them right, I'm not. It, it repels, repels everything against God. The flesh is one of those things when you're in the presence of, of God, the flesh, unless it's submitted to God, becomes uneasy. People don't want to be, things of the flesh don't want to be around the things of God. They repel, they're scanning the radio, looking for a station that plays their songs. And they come across a Christian station that's playing worship music. I, was, I had this experience one time. I was on a... I was on a, um, it was a business retreat and they were taking us, they were taking us out. It was something, it was just, you know, we were gonna have a nice evening out and dinner and this and that and all these things. And they, they actually picked us up in a limousine and we had a limousine in there. Uh, you know, we all piled in into this limousine and it was really cold. The one guy's like, I'm gonna find a station. I'm gonna get some music. And he's going through the stations, comes across a Christian station. He goes, oh no, not that. <laughs> quickly turns it because the flesh when you want to live in the flesh and you only know how to live in the flesh it's hostile to the things of God hostile it is not able to submit to the things of God it doesn't know how to verse 8 those of you who are in the flesh cannot please God cannot even if you want to even if you profess yourself to be a Christian but you live in the flesh you will not please God you cannot please God pleasing God is only done through the spirit and submission to the spirit you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if indeed if indeed the Spirit of God lives if he, it lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. We must receive the Holy Spirit. We must. Repentance is not just about saying a prayer and being baptized in water. It's about receiving the Spirit. It's about true repentance under the conviction of sin and the conviction of the Spirit, that you throw yourself before His mercy, at His mercy, at His feet, and you allow His Spirit to come in you, to be baptized in His Spirit, immersed in His presence, He, we need to receive the Spirit. If we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to Him. Say, so I don't even know what the Spirit is. I don't know how the Holy Spirit works. Some people are so afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're so afraid of the Holy Spirit. They don't even know. They, they, might, they understand God the Father. They understand Jesus and the work of the cross, at least in the head knowledge. But so many people do not understand the person, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And it says, if you have not received the spirit of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit. There's not multiple spirits here. Okay? Don't get that in your mind. There's different types of spirits. I've heard that teaching before about there's different spirits. The seven spirits of God it talks about. And the spirit of Christ is different from the spirit of, of Jesus and the spirit of the Holy Spirit. No, I've heard those teachings and they're false. They're wrong. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We might be talking about different aspects of the Holy Spirit, different manifestations of the Spirit, but we're talking about one Spirit. Okay, there's one Spirit. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you don't belong to Christ. So how can we belong to Christ and think we're a Christian and we don't understand the person of the Holy Spirit? We must know Him. We must understand. We must learn. We sing that song, Holy Spirit. And he says, let us become more aware of your presence. Right? I love that line. It's an awareness. Remember when Paul, we talked about this last week, when, when Paul um, said, Have you did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. He goes, well, what, what name were you, and which, what were you baptized? He goes, we were baptized with John's baptism. He says, that was a baptism of repentance. He said he received, and he told him about Jesus, and he baptized them in the name of Jesus. Rebaptized them. They were Anabaptists, baptized twice. Rebaptized in the name of Jesus, and then he said he laid his hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. Right? And it said they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. See, it's, it's supposed we have there's an ignorance in the church today of the Holy Spirit. We don't know the person of the Holy Spirit in an accurate way. And I would say, I would say that there's an extreme on both cases. Some people don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit and they're scared of it. And then there's extreme charismatic side where all it is is about the outward gifts of the Holy Spirit and they completely ignore the inward work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying this, guys, that this, the baptism of the Spirit is not just an outward. It's not just speaking in tongues and prophesying and laying your hands on the sick and having them healed. It's about the inward work of the Holy Spirit as well. There's a Holy Spirit work within you, and then there's the external work of the Holy Spirit where He comes on you. That's where we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and it was with the purpose of building up the church and being witnesses of His power. Okay, that's what it's about. There's the inward and the external. It's two sides of the same coin. Let's not be exclusive to one or the other. They're both needed. Where did I leave off? Verse 10. Now, if Christ is in you, through the Holy Spirit, we understand, right? Because we've talked about the Spirit of Christ. So we're talking about when you have the Holy Spirit, you have Christ in you. We often say, have you received Jesus into your heart? Or would you like to receive Jesus into your heart? We don't really, people don't really fully understand what that means. But quite literally, from Scripture, what we're telling to do is, have you received the Holy Spirit into your deepest part of your being, which is referred to your heart? Okay? Is he resident there? Is Jesus, has Jesus come into your heart, the deepest part of your being? Right? We use these terms and we don't often think about them, right? But we're literally receiving him into us through the Holy Spirit. Other scriptures talk about the temple of the Holy We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He literally, and our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We literally physically receive the Spirit of God inside our bodies. I know that sounds crazy. And you're not born with it. You don't have the Spirit of God in, inside of you until you get saved and the Spirit of God comes in, okay? It's not something that, it has to be some, It has to be a moment in your life uh, through repentance mm -hmm. where he regenerates you. And we'll get more, a little bit more into that later. Really keep, I'm sorry, I keep bunny trailing. Now, if Christ is in you, now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives, gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives, you, lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who loves you. Yeah. The same power 
that raised Christ from the dead saves you. He will bring life to your body. And we're going to dig more into that. Verse 12, so then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Not obligated. What does that mean? You don't have to do it. You're not forced to it. You can't say the devil made me do it. It's a choice 100% of the time. The Bible says that in every temptation, he provides what? A way of escape, a way out. You don't have to do it. I'm sorry, guys. If we fall into our temptation and we sin, it's not anybody's fault but your own. It's your nature, right? It's your nature. So that's what has to be, um, we've got to remember as we receive Jesus into our lives, he gives us the ability not to be obligated to our flesh and our fleshly desires. Okay, let me reread that in verse 12. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put the death of the deeds of the body, so let me read that again. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption, hallelujah, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Amen? Amen? The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Touched on this last week. How do you know you're saved? How do you know? Because the pastor told you after you said the prayer or raised your hand? Is it because you got baptized with water? Is it because, right? Is it because of anything that you did? How do you know that you're saved? You must have a witness of the Spirit. Because right here, the Spirit testifies that you are God's child. This, in fact, it says the Spirit testifies together with our spirit. He and your own spirit says, I know because I know because I know that I am his. If you have never had a witness of the spirit, we say, I know it. I don't think it. I don't believe it. I don't intellectually process and I think I'm saved. You know it. It's spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. It's something that doesn't even make sense to your mind. How can someone who is so wicked live in sin, do horrible things to people, ter- be addicted to terrible drugs, even uh, killing and being abusive to people? How can one like that get saved? How can one like that repent and receive the Spirit of God? They can. They can. See, no, no, they're too, they're too wicked. No, you know, you're looking on man from man's eyes. You're looking from the flesh. God does something that's so different because what God does is spiritual. And you can save that one. And that one cannot logically say, I can be saved because I'm so wicked. And we cannot logically say that one can be saved because they're so wicked. But when the Spirit of God enters that one, when the Spirit of God comes in and testifies, they know it. They know they're saved. They know they're forgiven. I can't tell you why. I can't understand it. I certainly don't deserve it, but I'm saved. I am God's child. I know I am. 
And you can't tell me otherwise. Why? Because the Spirit has testified it to me, to my spirit. My spirit awoke. It was dead, but now it's alive. Isn't that exciting? Amen. That's a work of the Spirit. Let us not ever grow. What's the word? Bored? With the simple truth of the in-work, inward transformational work of the Holy Spirit. We're so focused on other things. This is where it's at. This is what this is the heart beat of everything that we do in our lives and in our ministry. It's the inward work of the Spirit. You want to be, pow you want to be powerful and, and, and move in power outwardly and do great exploits for God? Don't focus on the outward. Focus on the inward. Amen. Get right there. The rest will follow. Okay. I'm going to have to speed this up a bit. That's our main text I want to talk about. We, in this text, we saw the, this concept of a, this, our spirit, our soul, or used in the text here, our minds, our mindset, and then the flesh. I want to... I talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to break this down a little bit further. This conflict, this inward work of the spirit, how does it affect all of this? How do we break this out, right? How do we, how do we begin to understand the inward work of the spirit on our whole, our whole self, okay? First of all, we're gonna to refer to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So, I want to be very clear that the Bible talks about us in three parts. We know as you're turning there, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we know that, that the Bible says that God made us in whose image? Yes. His image, right? We're the only created being that is made in his image, that he spoke that about. God is three parts. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And in Genesis, it says, let us, make, let us make man in his image. That means the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, was all present at creation. Jesus himself testifies and says, I was there uh, when, even when Satan fell. John testifies in his gospel that nothing was created without him. By everything, everything was created through him. And he's speaking of Jesus. The Spirit of God, the Spirit uh, and Jesus and the Father, they are three parts, but they are one. He made us in his image. We, too, are three parts and one, which is really difficult for us to understand. Mm -hmm. We just think, well, I am who I am. But when we start to break it down and understand, Yes, we are who we are in, their, in the fact that the, all those three are integrated, but they're all somewhat different, okay? It's hard for us to understand how God can be three parts, Father, Son, and Spirit, but yet be one God. In the same way, we can think of our, it's hard for us to think about ourselves as being one person, but having three parts. But I want to break that down because all of this plays into this inward work of the Spirit. All right, so let's, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify. Set you apart. Right? As we talked about, uh, I had a te whole teaching about us being vessels, right? Vessels of honor. We've done that before in the past, right? We're sanctified, set apart for God's purposes, right? Not like everything else. We're kind of, we're not like the everyday China, or excuse me, the everyday, pot, you know, plates and, and cups. We're, we're like the fine China. It's set apart for special purposes, okay? And he's saying here, asking for the God of peace 
himself to sanctify you completely. Well, what's you completely? Well, he goes on. He says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we are baptized in his spirit, there's a work that happens within our spirit, within our soul, and within our body. All three. But that's where the war rages on that we talked about. Going this way or going this way. Another um, confirming word of this is Hebrews 4.12. I'll just read it quickly. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and, and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Bible talks about these distinctions between, and I'm not, I could go, we could have a whole sermon just on Hebrews 4.12, but I'm not going to do that. But what I want to do is break down the, this concept of the spirit, soul, and body. So think of it this way. Your spirit and your soul is what's referred to as the inner man. In fact, or the inner self. In fact, we started with that. In Romans chapter 7, 22, it says, For in my inner self, I delight in God's law, but I see a different law waging war in the parts of my body. So there's this inner self, and then there's the body or the flesh, which is the outer man or the outer self. So there's a difference. They're all connected, right? But there's a difference where we start to, and we'll talk more about the flesh and the body a little bit later, but, but I want us to really start breaking down what is this difference between the spirit and the soul, okay? The spirit and the soul has been this really strange thing that has been interpreted different ways uh, with different denominations and te teachings throughout decades, right? A lot of people looked at the spirit and the soul as, inter as interchangeably in Scripture. In fact, in Scripture, there seems to be a slight interchangeability when it refers to the inner man using the, the word spirit or the word soul, interpreted in English, of course. But there's this, there's, and, and, and the reason being is that there seems, there's such an intertwining of these two. Um, that it almost seems as if they're the same thing. Oh, the spirit, the soul, but they're not. Okay. I uh, read a commentary by David Guzik. Um, very, very good. He said this. I thought it was excellent. Because the soul and spirit both have reference to the inner man in Scripture, they are easily confused. Often an experience intended to build up the spirit only blesses the soul. There is nothing wrong with soulish excitement and blessing, but there is nothing in it that builds us up spiritually. Let me read that again. I thought that was really good. Often experience intended to build up the spirit only blesses the soul. There is nothing wrong with soulish excitement and blessing, but there is nothing that builds us up spiritually. This is why many Christians go from one exciting experience to another, but never really grow spiritually. The ministry they receive is soulish. This is why the word of God is so powerful and precise. It can pierce even to the division of soul and spirit, which isn't easy to do. So the spirit and the soul have a distinction. And so I want to break that down just a little bit deeper. I'll read this too quickly. I thought this was good. Um, 
in that in Hebrews 4:12 it talks about the separation of soul and spirit and then joints and marrow. Joints and marrow refer to our physical body, our physical self. Uh, and the terms flesh and body describe our outer man. Um, and they include aspects uh, of our person, such as the sense, our senses and our habits. When we allow our flesh to direct our thoughts and actions, it ends in spiritual ruin. God wants us to be directed by the spirit, not by the flesh or even the soul. Again, that was written by David Guzik, which I thought was very good. All right, so what is this concept of spirit and soul. I want to do a little bit of a comparison with you on that. Spirit, in the Greek word spirit, it is, is pneuma, right? Do you ever hear the word pneumonia? That's where that comes from. No, pneumonia is what? It's a, it's a disease or it's a, a sickness of fluids, right? Entering the, the lungs and you can't breathe, right? Well, pneuma in, in, in scripture means breath, okay? The spirit, it's, it's always translated spirit. So Holy Spirit, uh, a, a demonic spirit, your spirit, spirit of this, spirit of that, is almost all use the word pneuma. It means breath. There's some type of breathing. Something's alive. Something's active, right? So, but this is specifically the part, as I mentioned, the part of your inner man that do, deals with the realm of the spirit, Okay. Now the soul, the Greek word for soul mean, is suke. Guess what that means? Breath. It also means breath, breath of life. So you can see now why we're starting to get maybe a little bit of difference here. The inner man is where your life comes from. Okay? The inner man is where your life comes from. If you don't have an inner man, you're dead. Your body won't live. If you don't have a mind functioning and telling your body what to, to do and how to function, right, in our brains and this matter here, and if you, your inner man doesn't tell you you better go eat or you better, you know, better take some time and sleep and you better drink some water and you go and you tell your body to go do that, it'll die. You have to have a consciousness or else you're dead. Okay? So that's the inner man. So both of them are breath. Both of them are, bring animation to our, to our lives. Here's where it's, it's a little bit different. As it relates to the Holy Spirit coming on you, coming in you, being baptized in the Spirit, the Spirit is renewed and comes alive instantly. Instantly. When you receive the Holy Spirit, your spirit who was dead now comes alive. John 3, 5, and 6 says, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whoever's born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever's born of the Spirit is spirit. You have, your spirit has got to be born again, instantly. Born again. Ephesians 2, uh, 1 and 3 says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you were previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler and the powers of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We all too uh, were previously, uh, had previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of the flesh and thoughts. And we by nature were under wrath as others were also. Right? There's this idea that we were dead, our spirits, we were dead in our sin, but when you get born again, when you repent, the Spirit of God comes in you, your, whole, your spirit is made alive. Amen. And your spirit is what fellowships and longs for now the things of God, your spirit man. Your spirit man, who is now alive, desires for the things of God. Your spirit man interacts and communicates with the Spirit of God. Okay? Now, there's a really interesting example of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14, it says, it's talking about speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. And Paul says this, for when I pray in a tongue, my spirit praise but my understanding which is the soul is unfruitful 
when you pray in tongues, you're, you're not coming up with it on. It's not just gibberish coming up with your own. It's your spirit praying. Because your spirit is connected to the Holy Spirit, right? That's what comes alive. Now, the soul is different. Where the spirit is instantly renewed, the soul is progressively renewed. The soul is the battleground that Paul was talking about and the laws going on. The soul was the thing that was caught in the middle. Remember he said that? He goes, he said, um, he said, for those living according to the flesh have their minds set on things of the flesh, but those Lord, uh, living according to the spirit have their minds set on the things of the spirit. The mind is the battleground that is progressively renewed. Progressively is it, does it change and transform. Mm -hmm. Colossians 3, 1, through, uh, 1 and 2. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Seeking is an action. Seeking is you, something you have to deliberately do. Don't be, conf um, sorry. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Your spirit desires the things of God. Your mind has to be set on the things of God. Because your, your mind or the, the suke, the soul, this part of the inner man deals with your feelings, desires, your affections, and your aversions, right? It deals with the realm of natural thought, reasoning, and feelings. So those things left on check will go where? Things of the world, things of the flesh, right? But, the, but, but when we're born of the Spirit, we have to train the, the, our mind, will, and emotions to respond to the things of, spirit, of the Spirit, right? Things of our spirit. Romans uh, 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. How do I know what God wants for my life? Right? We all want to know that. There has to be, in, in, the only way you're going to know, which is knowing is, is a mind, will, and emotion. It lies in your soul. And knowing those things is to submit to the things of the Spirit. Your mind has got to be renewed. I looked up the Greek word for renewed. You know what it actually literally means? Renovation. You buy a house that's broken down, it's got issues, maybe it doesn't have a sink, it needs a what? Renovation. You need to renovate your mind. Right? You need to remodel your mind. You need to renew your mind. The suke, the soul, that's the battleground. Your, your spirit desires the things of God, but your mind is a bit resistant. Why? Because it's still set on the things of the flesh. It's still set on the things of the world. Mm -hmm. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. This is a work of the Spirit, the working of the Spirit. We receive the Spirit. He is going to work in your mind, your will, and your emotions. The Spirit of God will help you in this. And we've got it. There's this working through. It's your, your mind is not instantly saved. I think we can all say yes and amen to that. Because we still have the impure thoughts, we still have their impure actions and all those kinds of things. But the idea is that the longer that we work, that we walk in God, we should sin what? Yes. Less. There's a movement forward. Doesn't mean that we don't fail, but we, uh, we should continuously moving forward as our mind is renewed, restored, renovated. Okay? Um, this idea, and two, also in 1 Corinthians, Paul uses, I'm not going to turn there, but in 1 first, uh, first Corinthians, three different times, he refers to this concept of being saved. Right? As a, as a continuous beings, as we are being saved. You say, well, I was saved. Yeah, your spirit was. But your mind is being saved. It's being transformed. 
Your soul is continuously, and that progress will happen until you stand before Jesus face to face. Okay? So that's an inward work of that spirit. And then finally, okay, the third part of our being is the flesh. He's the troublemaker. Yeah, the flesh doesn't want to, to do anything in the, in, uh, according to the spirit. The flesh fights and wars. Galatians 5, 6, and 17 says, uh, 5, 16, and 17. I said then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so you don't do what you want to do. I mean, the flesh is just the constant troublemaker here. The flesh desires what it wants, and the flesh does not desire. Come on, you've done it. You've been in worship, right? You've been in a worship meeting, and, and you know, you've had worship music going on, and you might have been moved a little bit by it. You might have been inspired by it, right? And it was nice. And then you got in your car, and you went to go home, and you turned on the radio, and it happened to be set on non-Christian station, one of your mm -hmm. favorite Christian, one of your favorite stations, and a song comes on of your past, and all of a sudden, yeah, you're energized. Mm -hmm. I saw one time I I, I went to a a concert. Christian music being played. Just saw this. Mm -hmm. All hour, the whole hour, beautiful Christian worship, country, gospel stuff being played. Great. Could work. I mean, Lori and I were moved. Everybody else was stone cold. No, no most people. No, no reaction. And then the last song, they went into this melody, medley, and it went into some non-Christian stuff. This woman stood up and started dancing. Mm -hmm. Wasn't moved to even tap her toe when worship music was being played. But the moment that a stanza or two was sung with non-Christian lyrics, that ignited her flesh. Mm -hmm. And she submitted to it. Why? Because she has a mindset set on the things of the flesh, not on things of the spirit. That's what happens. Oh, I don't want to go to church today, or I'm too tired, or like, oh, I don't just don't want to be around those people because I just not feeling good about myself and mm -hmm. I feel insecure and I know I failed and that sort of thing. And they're gonna call me out, right? So I'm gonna stay away. Why? Because your flesh wars against the things of the Spirit. When I, as, as a church leader, pastor, I see it, and this is, this is true 99.9% .9 of the times. The people that are really dealing with sinful things, the first thing that they do is they stay home. They start missing. Missing, 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 missing until you don't see them anymore. Why? Because... They have a mindset of the flesh. They don't want to be challenged in that. And so they stay away. They stay away from God's people that is going to encourage them and challenge them. They stay away from the presence of God. Why? Because it's easier just to give in to the sin than to repent from it. This is the work of the workings of the Spirit. This is what happens. What, ha what do we need to do to the flesh? We have to put it into subjection. And we've already read that Jesus, thank God, has given us the ability to overcome the flesh. Hallelujah. We overcome. We put it into subjection. The flesh just doesn't simply become good. No, it will continue to fight you. But we put it under our feet. We put the flesh in its proper place. And say, you are not going to rule me. 1 Corinthians 9.27. Instead, Paul says this, I discipline my body and bring it under subjection so that after preaching to others, I myself 
will not be disqualified. He knows that his flesh has the ability to pull him right back into hell, right back into death. So he beats his body and makes it his slave. Keeping it in a... That's why we fast, by the way. It brings your body into subjection. Makes it your slave. Weakens it. Weakens the flesh. And say, flesh, you will not rule over me. But see where this travels from? Your spirit's got to be strengthened. Your mind's got to be subject... You know, has to be transformed. Your spirit, your body needs to be put under subjection. Right? Our spirit is instantly renewed. Our mind is progressively renewed. Our body is eventually replaced. Eventually replaced. I didn't say renewed. He replaces it. If you ever want to read into this concept, read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, but it says, he, I'll just pull out two, verse 50 says, uh, 1550 says, what I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. What he's saying is our bodies are corrupted and they can't inherit on incorruption, which is purity. This 53, he says, for this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. It needs to, we need to be given a spiritual body. When you die, you will not have this body. But there's this body, taken from this body, well, does that mean that we're not gonna recognize people in heaven? I think we actually will recognize to a degree, to a degree. I think we'll be recognized to a degree. Why? Because your new body is going to be based on, as a seed, a, a new body. You have to read it in uh, chapter 15, the whole thing. But it's not going to be an immortal body, a, a mortal body with all of its failures. It's going to be a spiritual body. It's going to be different, right? God is going to completely do away with your corrupted nature and give you incorruptibility in your body. Praise God. Praise God. The inward work of the Spirit. The inward work of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God comes on you, baptizes you in His presence, in His Spirit, He transforms instantly your spirit. Witnesses with your spirit that you are a child of God. Then here's the lifelong work of the Holy Spirit to conform your mind. To put your mind on the things of God to want the things of God, your feelings and everything, trained for the things of God. And when you have that, your mind will put under subjection your body. Yes. Do you see how this works? Once we understand these three parts, we can begin to diagnose ourselves, can't we? Mm -hmm. Pay attention to your feelings. Pay attention to what in that moment, you know, when I'm getting ready for church or I'm getting ready for a thing, when you go to pray, is there a resistance in you? Mm. Oh, I don't feel like praying. Ask yourself why. Mm. Oh, I'm ready, getting ready to church. How are you feeling in that moment? What's going on in this soul of yours or what's going on in your flesh? Do you have to conform your mind or do you have to subject your flesh? Mm. Be thinking about those things. When we're worshiping, and everybody's got their hands up and everybody's caught up with God and you're like, ho-hum, I don't feel anything. Ask yourself, why? Are you living so soulishly that you have no, you're, there's, you're completely disconnected when the Spirit of God moves in a room among your brothers and sisters. Start to self-diagnose. What's happening? What's happening in me? Do I desire the things of God or am I repelled from them? And I only endure these certain traditional things that we do, like going to church on Sunday morning and praying over our meal or just going through our normal little quiet time of reading scripture, but never, never tapping into the power and the life that Jesus promised with the baptism of the Spirit.
self-diagnose, but understand where it's coming from. Understand, do you need more of the presence of God to conform your mind? Do you need more of your conformed mind to subject your flesh? Because here's the thing, God's given you the ability. It's all there. It's all there. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you have everything that you need. You just need more of Him at work. Amen? Amen. That's the inward work of the Holy Spirit. At least a piece of it. At least a piece of it. Lord, we thank you for this inward work. We thank you, O oh God, that you have made a way of escape. We thank you, O oh God, you brought it. We were dead, but we are now alive. And now that we are alive, we can live in freedom and victory over our sinful nature. You have given us that ability, O oh God. I pray, O oh Lord, that we would be aware every moment of every hour of every day. We'd be self-aware and say, am I being soulish? Am I being fleshly? Or am I in the spirit? Help us, Lord, to know. And help us continuously grow in you. Thank you, Father, for saving us. And thank you, Lord, for the onward and continual work of transforming us into your glory and your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.